I was absolutely amazed that they gave the detail of it because when the Queen was ill and the Duke of Edinburgh was in hospital, he never heard a word about what was wrong with them. The King is delighted that because he shared the operation he was going to have, so many men have gone for tests for prostate cancer. You know, her condition could be slightly worse. It just seems an awfully long period of recuperation, an awfully long stay in hospital. Who? Nobody wants to be in hospital for 14 days when you don't have to be. Hi everyone, we're back for another episode of A Right Royal Podcast with me, Andrea. And me, Emmy. It's been a turbulent couple of weeks for the royal family as we were told the news that both King Charles and the Princess of Wales were both admitted to hospital. The pair are now thankfully recuperating at home and we're wishing them both a very speedy recovery. But what will their convalescence look like? What was their experience in hospital? And are we in a new period of openness among the royal family? We're joined by royal photographer Arthur Edwards to discuss the royal family's medical trials over the years and his own experiences with the royal doctor, as well as royal photographer James Watling, who snapped the king upon leaving the hospital. But first of all, we're joined by our very own Florence Nightingale. Welcome to the podcast, Emily Nash. Oh, why, thank you. <laughs> Lady of the Lamp. I will do my best to heal you. <laughs> well, good luck. Can I just say that when we were recording our last episode... We did not know what was coming. We certainly didn't. We were actually together when news broke about Kate's admission to hospital. It was a tense 10 minutes in the office. There was a lot of screaming. It was just a bit too much, I think. For you were nervous. Handle. Nervousness, yes. You were it. nervous. As the TV editor who didn't really have a horse in the race, it was. Uh, <laughs> I felt stressed for you both from far, from far From your away. TV couch. <laughs> from my TV couch where I was writing about The Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> what went through your mind, Emily, when that statement came through? Look, it was quite stressful but also explained why we hadn't had any announcements of engagements yes. for William and Kate because we'd all been quite well I personally had been getting a bit impatient saying come on surely this should be out by now Christmas yeah. is over and then it all suddenly became very clear and I mean my first reaction was one of concern obviously because mm. it sounded like she'd been through quite a serious procedure yeah, yeah. just to recap obviously listeners will be aware of this but Princess of Wales underwent abdominal surgery at the London Clinic. And the thing that leapt out was that it was going to be a long recovery. This wasn't just a day case. You know, she'll be back to business in, in a few days. You know, this was a real sort of life event for her and a moment in which things were going to change on the raw beat for the foreseeable future for the next few months. So, yeah, it was a lot to take in. And then just 90 minutes later, Literally 90 yeah, minutes later. we got the announcement that the king was also facing hospital treatment for a benign prostate, benign enlarged prostate. Not words I thought I would be saying on this yeah. podcast, but here we are. And I actually think it's a really good thing. Yeah. Since then, we've seen, obviously, the king admitted to hospital. He spent three nights there. Queen Camilla was at his side throughout, going back and forth, and again at his side as he left, waving to well-wishers and the media outside and, you know, looking reassuringly well, things considered. He looked great. He looked smart. He was like, what do you all do? What do you all do here? It was just a little surgery. Oh, just a little on me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, see me? and we know what it takes to get him to stop and slow down, put work to one side for a moment. So again, you know, although he appears very well and on his road to recovery, it's a, an adjustment for him, for sure. Sure. And I mean, obviously, it's very difficult not to speculate what's happening with Princess Kate, but obviously we won't. But I think we can agree that she would rather it would be 
very, very private. There hasn't been any photos of her going in and out of hospital. So the attention has sort of been on our king. Who has been happy to yeah. kind of allow what, that. What do you what do you make of that, Em? I think it's brilliant. I think, look, we already saw on day one after he announced his diagnosis an 11-fold increase in the number of people seeking information from one of the That's prostate amazing. charities. A big uptick in people going to their doctors, asking to be checked. And I think that members of the royal family sharing a fairly common diagnosis really highlights the fact that it can happen to anyone in all walks of life and that you shouldn't be ashamed to go and get checked out. So a great PR win, I think, for the king. That being said, though, you can't really compare like for like. Of course, we don't know exactly what Kate is dealing with. And it may be that in the fullness of time, she does want to share more. But Mm. clearly, you know, given the amount of time she spent in hospital and will spend in recovery, we're not going to see her until around Easter. I think that it's safe to say it's something perhaps a, a Serious. little... Serious. Yeah, yeah. We hope the recovery is progressing well. We're told that she's making good progress. But it's clearly a time where she's not feeling quite ready to share. And that's also fine, you know. And I think one thing I've been asked by a lot of uh, international journalists recently is, why aren't we chasing this down why aren't we banging on doors and trying to find it's simple you know people are entitled to medical privacy there have been test cases in the courts in this country before when famous people have been you know photographed coming out of clinics and things like that Mm. so even members of the royal family although there is a public interest in what's going on with them are entitled to medical privacy so it's unusual that the king has shared this diagnosis but i think it's a really welcome precedent yeah and obviously we don't know much about Kay, but we know that william has been by her side. We know that he hasn't taken on any royal duties whilst she was in hospital. He has been caring for the kids, which, I mean, he does anyway. As, as all dads should, As all dads should, really, yeah. yeah. It's nothing special. And now she's at home, and I'm assuming now parents might pop by. They have been involved with the family whilst Kate has been hospitalised. We know that the kids spent Sunday with them at their Berkshire home. So, I mean, we know a few details, but it's clear that they want this to remain private and it just really has to be respected. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to look at it in terms of her role within the family as well. You know, she is a queen in waiting, but she's not the head of state. She's not even married to the head of state. So I think that it was important for the king's illness to be shared and for information to be made clear because it's reassuring. And it also stops speculation and if you don't address what's going on and your head of state takes time away from official duties unexplained then you start to have problems so I think they've handled it absolutely brilliantly from that point of view and again I think Kate you know you have to remember that they are intensely private people yes they share moments of their lives with the public but other than that the way you know their friendships, the way they live as a family is largely kept under wraps. And yeah. William, of all people, is very keen to protect that because of the way he grew up and yeah. you know his experience of, of both his parents being overexposed, I guess, in the media. So he naturally is very protective of his wife and will do whatever is necessary to protect her, especially, you know, anyone going through this kind of operation and recovery is vulnerable. Absolutely. I think it's interesting what you said as well that, you know, maybe this is something that retrospectively 
she'll discuss. Mm. But I think I'd be the same. I'd want to wait until I was completely out of the woods yeah, before same. thinking about... Well, know. and also, you know, if there's an adjustment to the way she's doing things, she might need time to come to terms with that herself. But one thing I have been thinking about and I've written about, in fact, is that she is such an influencer in many ways. You know, she really inspires people, whether it's to go and buy the outfit she's worn or to change government policy in terms of their approach to early years. If she does choose to share her diagnosis in future, I mean, it will go stratospheric. Yeah. You know, the potential for her to raise awareness is probably unprecedented. Mm. So I'm sure that'll be something that's on her mind. But, you know, there's no rush. When the announcement came through, I have to say, I was initially a bit surprised at the choice of hospital. The London Clinic just hasn't been on my Royal Hospital radar. Um, you have a Royal Hospital radar? You know, the, the hospitals that Prince Philip used to visit or the late Queen. I just thought this was kind of like new. But there seems to be like a reason behind this choice. Well, I think that it's closely linked to the King Edward VII, which is where the royals have traditionally gone. And in fact, you know, the Duchess of York, who we'll get onto in a moment, Sarah was seen leaving there recently, having been in to see her dermatologist. And I think that that is not a question of them rejecting that one. But, you know, a lot of the professionals, the senior consultants who are at the London Clinic have worked within the medical household. So there is some crossover And so it's understandable. You know, people don't always go for the hospital. They go for the consultant and for the the person who's going to be looking after them. So let's talk about Sarah Ferguson Mm. um, as well, because uh, was it a day or two after Charles and Kate? It it was was about five days. Right, right, right. A few days later. Tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so that was quite uh, the bombshell. It came on the Sunday night after news of Kate and Charles's admission to hospital. And it was that she has been diagnosed with malignant melanoma, which is mm. a really aggressive form of skin cancer. And she is, you know, off the back of about seven or eight months post-treatment for breast cancer. So she announced her diagnosis, her first diagnosis, last spring and has gone through the treatment. She's had a mastectomy. She's been really humorous in the way she's shared details of her experience. She's called her reconstructed breast Derek, which has got a lot of headlines. <laughs> but she's been super open about that experience and raised a huge amount of awareness for that. So it was a big shock, not least to her, but also to the wider public, yeah. that she'd been diagnosed with a second cancer, this time with the skin. And my understanding is she discovered this right at the start of this year, and it's early days. They are hoping that they have got it at a very early stage. But, you know, she's still going through investigations. So, I mean, obviously, we're all sending our very best wishes for a speedy recovery. And that's tough coming so soon after. And what actually happened was that her dermatologist discovered this mole, mole while she was having treatment for her breast cancer. So... In a way, it's a blessing, I guess, right. that they might not otherwise have found it. But she's really been through the mill. Once again, she shared her diagnosis. And again, we saw a huge uptick in people going to seek help. I mean, I'm a redhead with pale skin, which I think is the worst. I mean, not the worst, but it's like the most you likely. High to a high, yeah, high risk. And I'm off for some mole mapping after this yeah. news. I'm going to go. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's like you just, yeah. But so it's, it's so true. You're so right. The influence that they do have coming forward with this and having people pay you attention. You just never expect that things happen to them. I just, in my head, they have doctors everywhere 
And the minimum thing that they see, they just get it checked out. There's nothing. I mean, that's how I think, which is obviously not very logical. But I just, you know, when things happen to them, you're like, oh, my God. Then if it happens to them, then it can really happen to you, you know? Well, it's humanising, isn't it? Um, Not that they should need humanising. But, you know, it does remind you that we're all dealing with our own concerns and health worries. And uh, you never really know what's going on. Behind, behind, the, behind the smiley photographs. Behind you know. the castle walls, yeah. Do we think this one is one for the history books? You know how we have the Annus Horribilis and everyone talks about that year and how bad it was. And then we'll look back at 2024. The January horrible illness. Literally. I mean, I did there. touch wood, we won't have any more drama, royal drama for the year, but it's already gotten off to a strong start. Yeah, it has. Look, but one thing I will say as well that it's not all doom and gloom on no. the, the royals and health front. Yeah, cheer um, up. I'm well, up. gloomy girl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can talk a bit more about the access they have to, to healthcare, which is phenomenal. But we've also seen in the last couple of weeks the Duchess of Edinburgh out there. And we should also hat tip to the other royals yeah. who are out there kind of holding the fort, of mm. which Queen Camilla is at the forefront. Yes. Yeah. Princess Anne. Princess Anne. Princess Anne. Oh, I mean, yeah, my girl. When, when, she, when she not, she's always <laughs> out there holding up the fort. Um, but the Duchess of Edinburgh, and I wrote about this in Hello's Royal Club newsletter last week, that she absolutely floored me last week by turning up to a girls' school in South London to talk about menstrual health. Now, It's not a new one for the royal family. Meghan, before and after she was Duchess of Sussex, worked with this charity, Minor Mahila, in India on menstrual health. However, I've never heard a member of the royal family speak quite as candidly as Sophie did about what it's like to deal with a heavy period. Sorry, listeners, if you're in the middle of breakfast. But I think that this kind of openness is really exciting and it really breaks down taboos. And For those teenage girls, having a member of the royal family coming and talking about sanitary towels and tampons will have made them realise that it's fine to have these conversations. If you can talk about it with her, you can talk about it with anyone. And she's also spoken about menopause. She has. She's been really open about it and quite, you know, personal. And I think it's really refreshing. I'm all for it. It's so refreshing because obviously, yeah, you've got royals being open about their medical problems and getting awareness on that. You've got the Duchess of Edinburgh talking about menstrual health. It's almost like they're not sort of shying away from what maybe would have once been taboo topics among the royal family. Another instance, of course, is the Queen's domestic violence campaign, which obviously is also very... Yeah, um, hard-hitting. Hard-hitting, exactly. Do you think this is sort of announcing a new era of the royal family where there is a level of openness that we never would have seen from them maybe while the late queen was still reigning? I think that's a really good question. I think, I mean, certainly Camilla's domestic violence work dates back a really long time. Right. So that's not particularly new. As does Sophie's sort of gender equality work it goes back to 2014 when she set up the Women's Network. But I do think they're being perhaps less inhibited um, in the way they talk about things. And Queen Elizabeth had a different way of doing things. This is just showing the king's approach. Um, he is more direct and he doesn't shy away from things. And we've seen it in the way he's approached issues surrounding slavery, historic racism on trips to Commonwealth countries. For example, we saw it in Kenya. And I think that that is a, a great quality in him because yeah. you're showing up to listen. And I think that helps start the conversation. Now, before we move on to our first guest, Emily, I want to know what does your diary look like now from here till Easter? Wait, do you want to take me for lunch? Well, are you you free now for lunch? Is it a date? (laughs) 
<laughs> Will you be treating us to some homemade bread? Um, no, but we know. Uh, I'm not quite ready to go back to the uh, sourdough <laughs> days of COVID. No, we yeah. know how incredibly busy you usually are. And, you know, this has obviously impacted your She's diary. Still busy. And you already had trips planned or in the works now. Yeah, look, it's obviously difficult because there's still news, but it's not the news that we're used to having in the the day-to-day engagements. But that being said, you know, we went through it with COVID and we have seen it come back. So it is a temporary thing. Yeah. I also think, you know, it doesn't hurt for people to take time off when they need to. I think it's in itself sends out an important message that if you're sick you rest you know obviously they have the advantage of financial security staff you know they're not in danger of losing their jobs anytime soon it's very different than it is for many other working people but I think there's a lot we can take away from this I mean we're certainly having lots to talk about yeah that's very very true true. what's her recuperation like what could she expect well I knew you were going to ask me this and as you know I am not a medical expert. But helpfully, our lovely colleague Isabel has spoken to Shashank Gurjar, who's a colorectal surgeon, who's given her a bit of an outline of what to expect. Let's listen. Now, with the Princess of Wales due to leave hospital any day now, I sat down with Mr Gurjar, who is a colorectal surgeon who specialises in keyhole and open surgery for bowel cancer. How much do you rely on the help of others? You know, she's got a very close support network around her. Is she going to be sort of needing a lot more support during this time in terms of getting household things done? The healing process of a patient, not just Kate, but any patient involves everybody. So she will have plenty of physiotherapy while she's there for two weeks to get her going. She'll have help from nutrition. So, you know, the diet dietitians will make sure she's on the right diet. So in the hospital, she gets all that sort of support. If she goes home, she does need to rely on family members and anybody else who's around. I'm not sure she does these things, but you know, filling the dishwasher or, or emptying the laundry or sorting the kids out. She has to take a step back because she can't be running around and testing out those muscles. And do you have three main bits of advice um, that you would say for any patient going through something similar? What are the three main things that you focus on upon your recovery? I think the important thing is firstly to recognise that you've gone through something significant. this This is a life event. You cannot think you're going to bounce back tomorrow. You've got to give it time. So once you have that recognition, The next thing is nutrition. You must ensure that your nutrition is adequate because wounds need to heal. So you need a good mix of multivitamins, microelements, and all the stuff that you need in a good diet, carbohydrates, fats, proteins, everything. So good, sensible diet. And the third thing is build up mobility bit by bit. You're not going to get better by sitting or lying in in a bed all day, every day, next two weeks. That doesn't help either. So you need the insight, you need the nutrition, and you need recognition that you have to start mobilising and build up slip. It sounds like she's got quite the road to recovery then. It does. Yep, it does. And I think it's a measure of how serious it is that she's taking off as long as she is. I should have a very speedy recovery. We do. Just one question. When they're at home, are they recovering by themselves or are they being assisted by royal medical teams? Well, members of the royal family are all cared for by uh, members of the medical household. And that is the name for the group of doctors who are sort of on call to members of the royal family, particular experts 
that are associated with them. So, for example, under the late Queen, it was a professor, Hugh Thomas, who's actually based at the London Clinic, and he was head of the medical household. But there'd be other people within that, so nursing staff, sort of more like general practitioners. And interestingly, they also have people based up near Balmoral, Sandringham. They're independent doctors, but they're sort of there on call, and they're the people who... Uh, members of the family would turn to. So, for example, when the late Queen died, it was the local GP from Ballater who had been serving the royal family for many decades by that point who certified her death. So there are people around the country. And what's interesting is they still have very old school titles. So he was technically known as an apothecary to the Queen. And you have surgeon to the royal household, dental surgeon to the royal household, wow. things like this. So it's it's quite an old-fashioned way of describing these different medical roles. But, and as we've touched on before and we will do again later, they also travel with medics. So they do have better access than most people do. So basically they don't need to pop in to the hospital again for checkups and how after an operation you kind of have those checkups every so often. Like she'll be cared for at home, no need really to leave. I don't know. I mean, look, we don't know. But I think that it goes without saying that she'll have a lot of support from the household, but also from physiotherapists and things you'd imagine if you're recovering from something like that. And they do have fantastic... She's not going to have to be on hold to 111. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So insightful. Thanks, Em, for that. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be welcoming back my dear friend Arthur Edwards, the veteran Sun Royal photographer who has been covering royal events, health crises or not, otherwise for the best part of half a century now. Well, without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Arthur. Arthur, welcome back to A Right Royal Podcast. We're so delighted to have you on again. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to do anything for you, Em. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Arthur, it's been quite an unusual start to 2024 for the royal family. How does it compare to all your years of covering it? Well, normally I'd be skiing with them, you know, this time of the year and uh, out in the fresh air and the sunshine of Switzerland. Instead of that, you know, all I'm doing is reading about what these going to, one's going to be off for a month and the other one's going off till after Easter. I know. So not a lot to do. Not good. I mean, you've seen some royal injuries and health things over the years, but how does this compare? Well, I think this is the third time I've known the king to be in hospital. First time was in uh, Florida and he got heat stroke and he was rushed to hospital. The second time was when he broke his arm playing polo, had him coming out with Diana on his good arm. That was It's strange for him because he's a very healthy man. I mean, what do you think about the way that they have played this out, both in sharing his diagnosis and being so visible yesterday? When they reported that the King and uh, Catherine had gone into hospital, I was absolutely amazed that they gave the detail of it because when the Queen was ill and the Duke of Edinburgh was in hospital, he never heard a word about what was wrong yeah, with them yeah, yeah. and they kept it very secret. And even today, we don't know what killed the Queen and what the Duke of Edinburgh was suffering. Mm. So it's strange. And also the fact that the King is delighted that because he shared the operation he was going to have, so many men have gone for tests. It's amazing. For prostate cancer. 
I mean, even my dad was talking about it, and that is unusual. He was like, oh, yeah, I really should check it. And I was like, oh, wow. It does really feel like this is something that wouldn't have happened even 10 years ago. I mean, Arthur, do you think we're entering a new sort of period of royals being really open? I think it's our king. I think he's this is the way he is. He's very on the front foot all the time, trying to sort of let the people know what's going on in the royal family. Everything is out in the open. And I think it's amazing. And and the way that he's accepted Sarah Ferguson back into the fold. And that was a stroke of genius at Christmas. And and it gave her a new lease of life. And it must delight him. Speaking of Sarah Ferguson, she is having her own health challenges at the moment. You saw her, didn't you, at Christmas, Arthur. How did she appear then? She looked full of life, you know. And she was given a great deal of energy. The crowd, they just warmed to her. They loved her. They just took to her and she took to them. And she was the last one to leave the church. And she was festooned with flowers. I can't tell you. She was so happy. Aww. I mean, how do you think this has resonated with public opinion of the royal family? Because I think, personally, very positive. Our king has had a great start. Yeah. Just been brilliant. Uh, the speeches he's made are fantastic. I was in Paris with him. I did this team picture for him. And I said to him, you know, you're killing yourself. You know, you're working too hard. And he turned to his staff and he said, blame this lot. <laughs> yeah, but we all know it's not the staff. We know he's driving, <laughs> <It's him. laughs> he's driving the agenda. Yeah, <laughs> He doesn't like to sit still, does he? I mean, how do you think he's coping being sort of forced to slow down a little bit behind the scenes? Well, he's determined to carry on doing his red boxes. Mm. I mean, that operation he's had is... There's a lot of recovery from it, you know. Yeah. Mm. And he'll do that sitting down, going through his daily work. We've spoken a lot about Charles and Camilla and their relationship. And I've loved this weekend seeing Camilla visit him up to three times a day or twice a day, mm. every day. And just being seen and smiling. And then obviously her going into hospital yesterday and then both coming out together. I thought that was very special. Well, I think she's a special lady. I mean, you can see where they're such a good team. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, I mean, they've been married like what, 15, 17 years now. It's flown, and she's just a, a lovely person to work with. And she gives everything to the job. She tries to help you all she can. She never takes the spotlight away from him, she just supports her. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting as well because traditionally we haven't seen the royals going to visit each other in hospital very much. So, again, it really shows a slightly different way of doing things mm. for them. That's what a good wife does, Em. Oh. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Now, I wanted to ask you about a job you did last week with the Duchess of Edinburgh, which is an unusual one for you, isn't it? It was health-related. Do you want to tell us what happened? <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, well, I uh, suffer from stress when I'm late and I always leave an extra hour to get everywhere. And on the way to take pictures of the Duchess in Dulwich, they closed the QE bridge, which put every the traffic into a sort of gridlock. Oh, but anyway, I managed to get there in time. And she, as always, is just a lovely person to work with. She was talking to these girls and boys about ladies' problems, and it worked brilliantly. And she did team pictures with the kids, and, and she was fantastic. And they really enjoyed it. For listeners who haven't seen Arthur's great pictures of Sophie at the Harris Academy, she is being pictured holding up some sanitary towels and period products, trying to smash away any kind of taboos about that. I mean, that's 
got to be a first photographing a <laughs> member of the royal family doing that. That's I thought amazing. it was great, yeah. And the conversation amongst the boys as well mm. and the way she just embraced the whole, it was just brilliant. She was supposed to leave after an hour and a half. She stayed over two hours. Oh, wow. And she's not afraid to take these issues on, is she? Like the Queen with domestic violence, you know, the things that the royals traditionally wouldn't have got involved in. Well, the Queen's proud of that. Yeah. You know, that, that charity, she's does it worldwide. I mean, everywhere we go, she finds somewhere, goes to find that place where the women just refuge, you know, lovely lady. I have to ask, as a royal photographer, you know, having two of the senior royal members off, does that affect your work schedule? I mean, what does it look like? Yeah, have you, had you, a, you had a chilled week, Arthur. Have, He's have talking to us, isn't he? So <laughs> yeah. that says it all. <laughs> I, well, I've got a job with the Queen on later in the week, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, I mean, I need a break anyway. Look, I've had a. <laughs> Really busy time lately, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've put in a fair old shift, Arthur, over the years, haven't you? Well, I kind of like work, as people say, why don't you retire? And I say, well, if you like what you do and you like the people you work with, what do you want to stop? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you get to go skiing every year, apart from this year. (laughs) You've travelled the world with the Royals, and I think we talked about this when you came on the podcast before. But who looks after the Royals when they get ill? away from home? Well, the king always travels with a doctor. And now Camilla is our our queen. She has a doctor as well. Okay. On the recent trip to Kenya, there there was a professor and uh, another senior doctor. Okay. So they're very, very well covered for all eventualities. Absolutely, yeah. And quite right too. And they travel all the time with a huge bag, which has got a defibrillator in it, and every possible pill. I know because many times I've had to take advantage of those pills. <laughs> have you taken the king's drugs after? <laughs> I have indeed, yes. <laughs> I want one of those pills. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, they, they certainly have been very kind in helping people out on trips, myself included, when you get unwell. Sick in Egypt once, and Diana sent her doctor, and he gave an injection and he pills and some tablets and before I knew it I was up and running another doctor another time in Ghana came and checked me out and said you better go home and I, and I went home yeah you're lucky that you've got these beautiful doctors there on, on tap I would feel very safe <laughs> yeah for our listeners who are not from the UK we obviously have the NHS here which is you know free medical care but Kate and King Charles have both gone private. Why is that? Well, because I think the NHS is pretty stretched. Yeah. And, of course, if the king went to a national health hospital with the security, and it would just be a nightmare. Chaotic. For the staff trying to cope with the hundreds of patients they have to deal with every day. It's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Imagine the reaction to skipping the wait list or anything. As yeah, well. I yeah. mean, on the one hand, it would be great PR to have it done on the NHS. On the other hand, yeah, you can't jump the queue, can you? No, so, it's chaotic. Yeah, yeah. and then they'll be given clean new uniforms every morning. It would be a PR triumph, but for the hospital, it would be a nightmare for the patients, yeah. So what have King Charles and Kate both decided to go to the same hospital to avoid being in separate ones, having security separately? What have they talked about, you know, who's going where? It does seem very timely. Like, Mm. it's like they've been very 
exactly the same amount of time. Well, look, I may be wrong on this, and, and obviously the palace aren't going into any details, but I think it is coincidental, isn't it? But but it has sort of worked out <laughs> pretty well. Well, the thing is, it makes sense. The two hospitals are only about, I don't know, a quarter of a mile apart, and to have a, two lots of security, it just seems daft. And all these things are planned, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, they plan when they're going to do these things and they work it all out in advance. I mean, Christmas lunch could have been all about this. Do you think talk. this is what they talked the, about? This over was, their so when are you going in? When am I going in? Let's sort out the diaries. <laughs> <laughs> what are your Christmas dinner conversations like if you think that's the... Well, Arthur saw them all on Christmas Day yes. and there was no indication, was there, that any of this was coming? No, absolutely not. Imagine that Operation the King. He could have picked his time. I don't know about Catherine. I mean, we're not quite wrong with her. But, you know, I think it's just perfect that as they've got all that security there, get it both done together. Absolutely. And, you know, knowing the king as you do, Arthur, how do you think he's sort of responded to all of this? Do you think he's probably desperate to start work again? Or do you think he sort of takes doctor's advice and he's taking it as a bit of a break? Uh, It's almost impossible to stop him working. I mean, even when he's got... Really, in bed, he, he's working. Yeah. Even when he's on holidays up in Balmoral. Yeah. Camilla has to drag him out, stop him working. He's just uh, like the Duracell bunny. Well, <laughs> well, then my next question is, who's been taking the red boxes to the hospital? <laughs> oh, it's a mm. secret. <laughs> well, imagine he probably had a three-day break from the... Maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> but he'll be working on them tomorrow, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. The private secretary goes through the boxes and only gives him to deal what's important. Mm-hmm. And he'll cope with that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you can sign, you know, official paperwork once you've been uh, anaesthetised. It's probably... <laughs> oh, good point. Doing like a big bubble writing C, that kind <laughs> exactly. of thing, signing his name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur, just to go back to the Duchess of York briefly, again, someone you've worked with many, many times over the decades... How do you think she is going to cope with this double diagnosis? I mean, that's a really tough blow coming so soon after the first. When you're told you've got cancer, everything else in your life doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. But when I saw her on Christmas Day, I've never seen her happier. Mm -hmm. So she's obviously, in her mind, got it right. And she's obviously taking great doctor's advice. And they're telling her things she wants to hear because she seems to be in a a great place. Yeah. And she's really resilient, isn't she? I think she's a tough, tough lady. I want to ask you, Arthur, because we've heard in the past how incredibly generous King Charles is with members of his family that, you know, are going through things. For example, Sophie Winkleman had a car accident a few years ago and she revealed how he provided meals for her for several months. Are we expecting that sort of generosity from him now with Sarah and also Princess Kate? Nothing surprises me when you tell me that because... He does good works all the time and never, ever boasts about it, talks about it. He just does it. In fact, you cannot praise him. He just shrugs it all off. I mean, I can build stories of him where he's raised money, come back, sort it all out for them, and the only person that knows it is the people he's done it for. He's just an amazing man, and it, it never stops He's always thinking of good ideas. And if he gets you, asks you to do something, he never forgets. And he'll remind you of it. He asked me once, 
to organise something. And after a month, he said, what have you done about it? <laughs> and, I said, and I said, I'm working on it. <laughs> but I wasn't, but I wasn't. <laughs> he said it a second time. Yeah. And we fixed it. And he, uh, he uh, we were coming back from Canada and uh, I asked him what he wanted to do for his 70th birthday. And he said, I'd like to have a party for 70 people all the same year as me, 70 years of age. I said, that's a great idea. Anyway, so after a month, I'll get a call from his office saying, uh, the prince wants to know what you're doing about his party. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, I said, oh, well, I'm working. <laughs> well, I tore into the editor's office. I said, look, he said, do it. So we did it. Arthur, a little bird told me the other day that you've got your own big milestone coming up this year. Well, yes, 50 years, yeah. March the 1st. I did my first shift on the uh, sun and I uh, got a picture in the paper and I've been up to see the people whose picture it was and they were delighted and we had a wonderful time together and we're going to hopefully do a nice piece in the paper. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Arthur, thank you so much for coming. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always, to have you on. We've had a blast. Oh, a blast. A pleasure, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Arthur. Bye. Until next time. Bye. It's always so nice to have Arthur on the show. I know, it really gives you that perspective of time as well, because he's been doing it for such a long time and sort of nothing really phases him. But even he has found this period really quite unusual. I mean, it was quite the start to the year. It was really surprising news that came in very quick succession. And yeah, for poor Arthur, I feel like he's Charles's bestie. I'm sure he's been he's been quite worried about the whole recovery and recuperation. So it's nice to catch up with him. I'm a bit jealous, though, that he seems to just love Emily a lot. Yeah. And we get no mention whatsoever. He actually said Emmy at one point. Oh, but, oh, did he? He's, he called me by my name. Well, you might have thought it was you, um, and he just said. Okay, we need, <laughs> we need to invite him a few times back just to win his trust and love. Maybe me and you should send him, like, some sort of fruit <laughs> Oh, my God, basket. let's send him flowers as a thank send you. Him flowers. Did you ever send him flowers, Emily? Is that why he likes you the most? No. It's just a charm. No, yeah, it's just personality. We, on the other hand, need flowers. Yeah, we need flowers. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on it, Arthur. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, working together. He's a fantastic person and a fantastic professional. Right, talking about fantastic professional, we're on to the next one, which is James Watlin. Yes, James is a very long-serving raw photographer whose images you will absolutely recognise. He was outside the London clinic as the king departed. So we wanted to catch up with him on how that all went down and just talk a bit more about the general situation. Welcome, James. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been, as we've been discussing on this episode, quite an unusual start to the year. And you were there for quite an unusual picture this week at the London clinic as the king emerged. Tell us about what that was like. Yeah, it was unconventional, I guess, because usually these things are so... Well, I'd like to say they're stage-managed, but they're not really. I mean, I've done a few of these. Mm -hmm. I've even as far back as a Queen Mum coming out of hospital. And so they're all a bit different because obviously they're not something you expect to do. They are a member of the Royal Family in Hospital. It's not a joyous event. It's not something yeah. that... It's lovely to see them again, and I guess that's the joy in it. Yeah, it's difficult. And it was, I think, probably made more difficult because the Princess of Wales was also coming out the same day. And obviously there, 
we're all slightly concerned about how she is and everything else. So it was an interesting day. A bit of a sombre mood. Well, it was until we knew it was coming out. I mean, less sombre than just strange because you, you know, it's a hospital. Obviously, we know the king has not been very well. I think everyone just wants to see him, make sure everything's OK. And then we move on and let them rest and recuperate. And obviously, once we got the news he was coming out, it was like, obviously, all systems go and get in position and get ready to see them. I did want to ask about that. How far in advance did you know he was being released from hospital? How much warning did you have? Well, we were briefed from the get-go, really, from the morning from Buckingham Palace, which is always nice. It was really good. The communications were really good. Just to say, yes, it might happen. (laughs) Equally, no, it might not happen. Mm -hmm. And... Ultimately, I guess they're led by the doctors. Yeah. The medical team, they can make all the announcements they want. But if the, if the medical team say, actually, we're not happy with that, then the king's not coming out. So they're being, you know, sensibly cagey, I guess. We had about half an hour's notice. It was pretty much when the queen arrived. Yeah. That was when we knew it was going to happen. And so, yeah, then it, it is a case of, OK, we know it's going to be managed. We all go to the front door and get ready. Can I ask if you were also at the London Clinic during the days before when Camilla was seen coming and going? No, no, I wasn't. No, because obviously with the Princess of Wales being there and it was clear that Kensington Palace weren't particularly keen on anyone being there for obvious reasons. Yeah. I went purely on this day knowing that the King, there was every chance the King was going to come out. Yeah. And he looked well, didn't he? All things considered. He seemed to be, as the palace loved to say, in good spirits, which always fills me with a slight moment of dread, just because it's what they quite often used to say in the past, (laughs) isn't it, James, when people were actually quite unwell behind the scenes. Yeah, it doesn't tell you anything, does it? In good spirits doesn't actually tell you anything. No. You could be in good spirits and quite poorly, I guess. Exactly. But I mean, I think it was reassuring. And I think it's important that he was that visible, really. I mean, what do you think of the way the palace have handled this and their openness this time around for the head of state? Well, I think it's perfect, isn't it? I think he clearly wanted to make a statement to promote, you know, the issue and prostate awareness and everything, which was great, you know, as a man of a certain age. James, I wanted to ask you something because obviously it's very much talked about how open Charles was on his way out. And then... We didn't get any picture of the Princess of Wales. Not even if William was there. We saw, obviously, her personal assistant, Natasha Archer, leaving the hospital with a car full of flowers and gift bags. What kind of operation went down to get Kate back home? I have no idea. It's like a mystery. Yeah, the word is, now I don't know whether this is true, I have absolutely, but certainly amongst whoever was there, whether it was the TV or photographers, potentially that car that was photographed with the flowers, some people are saying that the Princess Wells was in the back of that. But I've studied the picture and I can't see it. Mm. I'm not sure they had to do too much of an operation. All they really had to do, I guess, was maybe put the Princess of Wales in a car that was not really recognisable as a royal car. Harry yeah. and Meghan used to use unmarked people carriers, something like that would have been comfortable. And mm-hmm. then she drives out un- unhassled. Yeah, yeah. What I find interesting, though, is that King Charles was so public about what the medical issue was, leaving through the front of the hospital and obviously being very, very present. Do you think that this was slightly orchestrated by the royal family to get the attention off Kate as much as possible and onto Charles? That's interesting. Yeah, 
I guess it could have been. Or it could have just been that the king is the king. And so the king, in a way, maybe has the responsibility he feels he has to do it. And it's less the case for the Princess of Wales. And maybe her... I mean, I guess if you look at the timescale here, you've got somebody that's been in there for three days and somebody that's been in there for 14 days. Well, it's clear that one operation is possibly more... It has a bigger impact. Exactly. Maybe it's something that's more of a difficult procedure in terms of everything. And perhaps that's the reason that they're being a bit more careful with her. He's head of state. And just looking back to the way things were done with the late Queen, you know, there'd be quite a significant concern in the media and in the public if she was taken up. We didn't really know what was going on. And I think whenever you have a kind of information vacuum like that, rumours creep in, speculation creeps in. And this was a really good way of, one, stopping that and be reassuring people that he's Mm. fine. There's no sort of crisis in the monarchy coming so early in his reign as well. You know, I think they really had to be, seem to be visible and reassure people. Yeah, I think that's always been the case, isn't it? Like we say, when the Queen had any ailments and stuff, we were always at, was it the King Edward? And Mm. there would always be that. And there would always be a picture afterwards to say, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, keep calm and carry on. And off we go again. So I think it's important that we see them. Princess of Wales, like I say, we don't know, do we? Nobody Mm. knows how big the operation was and everything else. And perhaps she just needs a bit more time. Yeah. It is almost fortunate for her, though, that the attention has been split, though. Because I think if it was just her and we were getting this statement about just her and the king wasn't having a treatment at the same time, there would be a lot more pressure and a lot more media attention on it so it has sort of divided yeah i, think I guess sort of lucky coincidence i'm not lucky in that they're in the hospital no, well, unlucky lucky, coincidence yeah, unlucky say, coincidence, yeah. more like <laughs> uh, james you're a dad do you think that part of kate's thinking is about keeping them in mind you know because they're old enough now to read the papers i don't know if they actually do they're old <laughs> enough to, to follow the news and perhaps that's part of her thinking you know we all sort of want to protect our kids or control the way that information comes their way, I guess. Yeah, or even if it's not her kids. You know, obviously they're at school and they're at school with older children. Yeah, I guess that could be the case. Protection. I genuinely think that perhaps the Princess of Wales, you know, her condition could be slightly worse. It could be, you know, something that... It just seems an awfully long period of recuperation, an awfully long stay in hospital. Who Nobody wants to be in hospital for 14 days. You don't have to be. Well, depends if it's private and fancy and like a hotel and you need a bit of a break. They've sold the London Clinic like a hotel. So, you know, one kind of is tempted to just go in and just have What, a to have major surgery? Not major surgery, no, no. Just that, just, yeah. just a break. If it'll get you away from your kids for five minutes. <laughs> anyway. I love my kids. <laughs> but it depends, doesn't it? If you live in a, you know, in a two-bedroom house in Battersea, maybe, yeah, you want to stay in. But if you, if you live in a palace, <laughs> then it's not like you're going to improve that. Obviously, you say about this tremendous time away from, you know, duties. What does that mean for you as a photographer who has been photographing the royals for 25 years? I guess it kind of means COVID Mark II. Yeah. <laughs> but without the government grant. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult. But there are other members of the royal family out there. There are yeah. even some members of the royal family that we don't, see a great deal and maybe we'll learn more about them maybe we'll see, there'll be more interest yes. in them i mean two months let's be honest it's not like we're doing five jobs a day anyway 
So we've missed out on some quite major, we have missed out on some major engagements. BAFTAs is always a good one. Easter's always a good one. You know, there's, there's lots of nice things, but better now in a way than May and June. Mm. She might still go to church at Easter. It's not really an official engagement. Yeah. It's kind of a family tradition more than anything. It is. But it's a heck of a walk. You wouldn't want to walk up there. Oh, and heels anyway as well, yeah. I think the first time we see her after all of this, it's going to be like spectacular. She's going to have thought her outfit out. She's going to be playing rugby in five inch heels, I would imagine. You know, that's yeah, generally yeah, what she does. exactly. Queen. Exactly. So, James, it, it's fair to say you're anyway looking forward to seeing her back in action. Oh, absolutely. Counting the days. It will be fine and we will see them again. And we may even see William and the children. If we don't see her on Easter, maybe William will take the children. Yeah. That's true, because we're, we're talking a lot about her absence, yeah. but actually William's going to be back at work fairly soon. Yes, yes. He'll be going to the BAFTAs, won't he, without Kate? Yes, he's president. James, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and insight, and let's have you back when things pick up again. We'll discuss more. Thank you, and thanks for having me. It's been good fun. Thank you so much, James. I love chatting to James and actually seeing him via Zoom because I normally communicate with him via email. So that was, that was quite the change. <laughs> He's a nice guy. And I think it's really interesting hearing, I mean, I've seen it on jobs as well, but for listeners, maybe just about the sort of discussions that go on between the palace and photographers about when it's okay to be there, when it's not okay to be there and just managing things professionally, I guess. Just being very respectful with a lot of people have been wondering, you know, why no pictures or why not this? Yeah. And, you know, there is a lot behind yeah. that is happening. As we discussed earlier. Yeah. British photographers get a bad name. It was all very respectful towards Charles and Kate. So. Yeah, and they're big fans of them as well. I love how they big them up every yeah. chance they get. Yeah, no, I think people, when you work alongside members of the royal family, you do get an insight into what they're doing, which, you know, a lot of people aren't as aware of, but also just the human side of them. And I think it does make you appreciate that it's a tough gig. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did recording it. Thank you so much to our guests and to you for joining us. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, catch more from Hello with our news and entertainment show, The Daily Lowdown, available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye.